God, may we we recognize our need for you. May we know that without your Holy Spirit, we are weak. May we find that life in you is more abundant. May we be formed by you, God, empowered by your Holy Spirit. And may we receive the hope that is found in you, Christ. Amen. So in Deland today, uh, my father-in-law, who is a uh, pastor in the United Methodist Church, is preaching his last sermon uh, today. He's retiring and so Jen is over there, uh, I, think, I think celebrating with him. I think it's probably one of those tough things, but um, celebrating with him. He actually texted, I texted him this morning, uh, just, you know, encouraging him. And, uh, and uh, he said, yeah, we're doing, uh, I think, four baptisms, uh, two dedications, and uh, I'll be back in Lakeland working on drywall uh, before the end of the day. And so I was like, I think he's, I think he's excited to retire. Uh, and so they have a place. They'll be moving here uh, within the next couple months. And so excited about that. And so Jen and her sister took that trek over there this morning um, uh, to see that uh, take place. So, uh, man, we're just going to continue on this uh, Holy Spirit in Lent-themed uh, uh, series that we're doing Uh, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about Lent. I'm excited about this whole Easter season. Um, And and as we reflect on this passage in Luke uh, 4, uh, we begin uh, to see that the writer uh, of Luke, or the writer of Luke, who is Luke, uh, that's funny, uh, sees Jesus led into the wilderness, all right? Um, and then where we see this happen is that in the wilderness, Jesus fasted. He was tempted uh, by the devil. He overcame temptation, and he came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. And before we move on, I just want us to recall a couple things that, that this series is, is continuing uh, to resonate. Uh, is this, number one, is, is wilderness is defined as uncultivated ininhabitable and inhospitable. And so when we talk about these words, um, these are things that, that have a negative connotation. Uh, these words, uh, uncultivated, uh, uninhabitable, and inhospitable. But two is we see Jesus embracing the wilderness, right? And, and Jesus' life or his ministry um, is bookend um, by this embracing of the wilderness, this, this un cultivated, uninhabitable, inhospitable thing. He embraces it. And then three, of course, is the Holy Spirit is part of the Holy Trinity, um, made up of the Father, the Son, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. Uh, I would love to be able to simply explain that to you, uh, but there's a mystery there that I, I think is just unexplainable, all right? And so there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they're three and one, and it's the mystery of what God is, 
And so uh, when we talk about the Holy Trinity, when we talk about God, uh, that's who we're talking about. But today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this attempt to answer three questions, and I think these three questions are very important. One is, was Jesus Superman? Two is, how did Jesus respond to temptation? And three is, how do we respond uh, to temptation? And so the first question is, was Jesus Superman? And I think this is a, a, legitimate, a legitimate question as we see Jesus who's fasting for 40 days uh, in the wilderness, uh, we can see where we could get this idea that Jesus might be Superman. Then he, he resists temptation, he overcomes temptation, and he leaves the wilderness or comes out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be clear today that, that Luke, and in his passage here in Luke 4, um, that Jesus, that he is writing about Jesus, and he is for sure saying that Jesus is not a Superman-type figure. All right, that is, the message is very clear, and, and so as much as you and I like to believe this, and I think sometimes we like to believe that Jesus was a Superman-type figure so that we can justify our actions and our own shortcomings. I know I do that in my life, but here's the reality. Jesus in human form was human, and so he was not um, a, a superhero type. Here's what, here's what the deal is. Luke reiterates his humanity. Uh, actually, in verse 2, it says this, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And here's where he, he just puts the point in that Jesus was fully human is this. Jesus ate nothing all that time. And guess what? He became very hungry. When you become very hungry, you are very human. And so the reality is this, that Jesus was human. If we question the humanity, you can turn to Hebrews with me, if you will, to Hebrews 4, should be on the Air Bible here, uh, 15, or 14 and 15, it says this. In Hebrews, if you've never read Hebrews, go home and read it tonight. Today, read the Bible. It's good. And so, so then it says this in 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And it goes on in verse 15, and it says this, the high priest of ours, or this high priest of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do. Yet, he did not sin. I want to reiterate that, verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same things we do, yet he did not sin. So Jesus faced what he faced. He not only knows our struggles, he dealt with our struggles as a human being. So he directly relates to what we're going through. And here's, here's what I would say about Jesus is this, that he was led by, that he was filled by, that he was fully reliant on the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to say these things again and again, because I want us to get this, that he was led by, he was filled by, and he was fully reliant on the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not Superman. He was just fully leaning into the kingdom of God. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, here's what the kingdom of God is. It's God's rule 
and reign. And he recognized God's rule and reign, and then he fully leaned into this, which leads us to the next question. If Jesus was not Superman, how did Jesus respond to temptation? So that'll take us back to Luke 4, and we're going to start there uh, in verse 3. How did Jesus respond to temptation? Well, here's how he did it. And we're picking up in Luke 4, uh, verse 3. Then the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say people do not live on bread alone. Now, what we have to do here is this. Does Jesus just say this? Like, oh, okay, he just said this, right? What's he using here? Well, Jesus is going back to Deuteronomy, all right? Deuteronomy 8.3. This is not going to show up on the Air Bible, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you some advice. Go home and read Deuteronomy 8. The context of what he says here is beautiful, I'm going to read a little bit to you because I think it's super important. He says this, it's it's titled, A Call to Remember and Obey. Here's Jesus. Be careful. This isn't Jesus. Let me stop. Here it is in Deuteronomy, all right? And it's written like this. It says, be careful to obey all the commandments I am giving you today. Uh, Then you will live and multiply. You will enter and occupy the land uh, the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands? Yes, He humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to your ancestors. And here's what Jesus says. He did it to teach you that people do not live on bread alone. And it continues here. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus knew what he was saying here. He knew the context of what he was saying here. All right, he gave the devil one line of something that was beautifully amazing of what was going on in Deuteronomy in the, in the scriptures. And, and so it goes on here, and Jesus, uh, now they was, excuse me, the devil was looking and, and challenging his sonship. He was saying, if you are the son of God, then surely you can turn this uh, in to bread, but he goes on in Luke four, and he takes another uh, Luke five, and he takes another stab at it. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of all these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it. Or I will give it all to you if you just worship me. And Jesus says here, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. And I want us to take a look at this. Again, a challenge to the sonship of Jesus. He's, the devil is trying to get him to abandon loyalty to the Father. He's saying, hey, I can give you all of this stuff. Why not just take the shortcut to suffering? Why not take the shortcut? The seat's already going to be yours. Why not take the shortcut to it? And Jesus replies again with a passage from Deuteronomy, and it's Deuteronomy 6. 13, now the context of this, super important. Guys, can I tell you something? Read Deuteronomy 6. So what are you supposed to read so far? 
Hebrews, all of it. Wow, that's a lot, Andy. Okay, okay, it's not a whole book, guys. It is a whole book, but it's not like a whole book-like book, right? And so Hebrews, what else? Deuteronomy 8, and now Deuteronomy 6. This is like spring break's over, okay? We're getting back to this, okay? All right, now here's the deal. It says this, though. I want to give a little context for what he says here because he quotes there uh, 6.13, but here's the context of what he says before this in 6.4. You guys might have heard this before. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again. To your children, talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of the Lord or of your house and on your gates. Here's what he's saying. There is no other God to worship. And I love it because here's what he's doing. He's taking the lie of the enemy that the enemy is trying to say, hey, I can give you all this. There's shortcuts. We can go this way. And Jesus looks back at him and says, no, there's not. Like, this is the way that God is calling me to do. And so we go on, though, in Luke 4, 9. Devil's sly now. We got to understand that, right? So the devil, I don't know if I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know. He's like, "Oh, okay, we're playing a little scripture game here." Well, I'm going to quote some scripture of my own. So he says this, "The devil took him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God." Again, challenging his sonship. He's saying, "If you're the son of God, jump off." For the scriptures, and he literally takes scripture, he takes, he takes Psalm 91, a portion of it, and he says this, he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even, or you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I cannot read this morning. It's cold, all right? And so, but he says this, Now, he's going to take the Scripture, which is true, and he's going to twist it, right? Now, none of us in this room have done that to make it work for us. Thank God. But there's other people that we know that have, all right? God bless them, all right? And so so what do we do here? Well, Jesus, again, sees right through this. He replies with, with proper Scripture, He says, the scripture also say, you must not test the Lord your God. And so what is going on here? So Jesus, or the devil quotes uh, scripture to him. Jesus quotes back Deuteronomy 6.16. And so we we see Jesus responding over and over again with scripture. To me, it tells of the power of Scripture. Um, in Ephesians 6, 17, in Ephesians 6, it's going to talk about the armor of God. It's, it's, and it's going to say in 6, 17, it talks about how, how the Word of God is what? The sword of the Spirit. 
And then if we look back in Hebrews, which you guys are going to read um, this afternoon when you get home, this morning even, you're at 9 o'clock service, so this morning you get to read it early. Uh, it says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So when Jesus is using the truth of Scripture, what is that doing to the devil who is also trying to use Scripture? It is exposing exactly what the devil's trying to do. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is tempted in every way. But again, we see that Jesus is led by, filled by, and fully reliant on the spirit. Jesus was not Superman. He was leaning fully into the kingdom of God. And being that we are not supermen or superwomen either, we have to answer this question. How do we respond to temptation? The first thing that I need us to understand is this. We are going to be tempted throughout our entire lives. Is everybody on board with that? All right. Can I say this? I'm going to say it. Temptation is not always a bad thing. We've made it into a bad thing. Right? So what we're saying here, I believe that the purpose of Jesus' temptation defined in his response to the temptation defined who he was going to be as Messiah. See, when the devil came against him and challenges his sonship, what does Jesus say? No. No. Like I'm standing firm. He's tempted, yet it says tempted without sin. And so when I, I think, when we think of temptation, we always think of, oh, that's bad. No, your response can be bad or your response can be good. And so when we look at the temptation of Christ, it defines who he's going to be as Messiah. Uh, temptation reveals, I believe that temptation reveals our inner character. Now, there might be times where you're talking to somebody and maybe you think that they can relate with you with the temptation that you're going through, but they don't suffer the same temptation you do. You ever had that happen? You ever open up to somebody about something? And you're like, you know what I'm saying? They're like, no, I really don't. And you're like, whoa, is this person holier than me? I'm like, what's maybe they're tempted in a different way. Right? And so money might not be a big temptation for you. It might not be a big deal, but for the next person, it might be a huge deal. So they're tempted in a different way. Every one of us is tempted in some way in our life. And I, I believe fully that it, it reveals the inner character of the person who's being tempted. But here's the worst thing we can do. Well, the worst thing we can do is deny that temptation actually takes place in life. To deny that temptation takes place in your life is to deny that you are human. By our human nature, we are tempted. Right? Because everything that's in us 
wants to rebel against God. In our human, full human nature, everything in us wants to rebel against God. But when we resist temptation, we rely on the Holy Spirit, what we see is that we can overcome. And I want to say this, as much as temptation is real, so is the reality of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and the power that there is to overcome temptation. I found this prayer in a prayer book. I want to uh, say it to you and have you listen to it. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep me both outwardly in my body and inwardly in my soul, that I may be defended from all adversities which, have, which may happen to my body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt my soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. If we look in Galatians, what we see here is a passage in Galatians 5, 16 through 18. And I believe this answers the question, how do we respond to temptation? And it says this in verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. How many of you, like me, like to guide your own lives sometimes? You don't have to raise your hand. It's embarrassing. All right? I see that hand back there, though. <laughs> it's cool. Right? I mean, if we're going to be real, right? Like, how many times do we like to take the steering wheel? Do we like to drive our own lives? And here's what the Scriptures say in Galatians 5.16 so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And it goes on in 17 and 18, and it says this. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. And I want to just say this, and I want to reiterate this point today, is that you are free if you are in Christ. There's a deep freedom that comes from being in Christ. And when you look at life situations, and sometimes life sucks, okay? I get it. Been there, done that. I'm thinking of this morning as we're singing through that first song, all right? How Jesus, dark to light. I mean, do you remember the dark that you were in? Do you remember that? Has it become just this thing that, that you're just used to being uh, in the light so you don't remember that time anymore? Can I just say, can you reflect on that for a second and say, God, you have drawn me out and where, where I was is no longer where I am because of you. See, there's hope found in Jesus. That's what I'm saying. There's hope found in Jesus. I mean, how many of you have felt that internal battle taking place? How many of you have felt that where, where you feel this pull is like you are doing something you know you shouldn't do, but you're doing it anyways, but you know you're wrong. You feel this internal pull that says, 
No, and you feel this battle that's going on. If you're like me, you feel that. You feel it even as simple in responses to people. Maybe it's in the way that you converse with people. Maybe it's in the way that you talk to people. Maybe it's the way that you respond to people at the store. I don't know. Maybe it's the things that you're looking at. Maybe it's the things that you looked at more than once that you shouldn't have. I think Gary Smalley said it great. He said, you know, when you, I mean, guys in here, let's just be honest. When you see a beautiful woman, it's okay, right? It's when you look back two or three times, right? If you have financial goals, that's good, but when God becomes the, or when money becomes the center of what you're doing and everything is just evolved around this money, it revolves around money and every decision you make is money, 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 you're wrong. When people say stuff like this, I just, I, well, I don't have enough money to give. When we talk certain ways, that are disrespectful to people, guilty. And we justify it by saying, well, how else am I supposed to parent them? Guilty. We're wrong. I don't believe in, in those actions that we're relying on the Spirit. If I'm reading Scripture correctly then I don't believe, what I can say in me is this, that internally there's stuff that still needs to be taken care of. There's stuff that needs to be submitted to God and say, God, I, I, I'm doing this on my own. I'm trying to control this, God. I, I mean, I, I, I think I'm getting better at other things, but I, what am I doing with this? seeing if we have time for me to be transparent. Unfortunately, we don't. No, I'm kidding. Here's the, here's the deal. Like, right, one of the things that I deal with, and I think I've told you this before, one of the things that I deal with, I just, my mouth sometimes, guys, believe it or not, right? It says sewer words. Like what, Andy? Well, none of your business, okay? I'm gonna, there's a level of transparency I'm not going to, okay? Because some of you would get up and walk out. I know for a fact some of you would stay because I know you. So you'd be down, okay? But some of you might walk out. Here's the deal. So I was, I was, I was dealing with this the other day. I'm like, God, what is that? Like, why is that? Like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I not doing? And so just I want to let you guys know I'm dealing with crap too. Okay, you're not the only ones that are dealing with this. But here's what I want to go back. I want to go back to that Hebrews deal. Hebrews 4, there was uh, 14 and 15, and now we're going to go on to 16, right? So, so like Christ understands our weaknesses because he was fully human. The, the high priest that we, that we go to, he fully understands us because he was fully human. And then it goes on in 16, it says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. 
And there's a few other passages that aren't going to show up here on the Air Bible, but, but I would just love for you uh, to read them, to take them in. I mean, I'm going to give you like the synopsis of them. Uh, read Romans 8. Dude, there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I mean, those who were once dominated by the sinful nature... They thought about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are under the control of their sinful nature can never please God, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. There's hope in the message of Christ. There's hope in the wilderness. Dude, Colossians 1, 15 just, can I just read? We got time. Yeah, I'm going to read this. Christ is the invisible image of the invisible, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He exists before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities of the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God, in his, all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood. And here's what is killing me, is this. This includes you who were once far from God. You were enemies. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet, now you have been reconciled to himself through the death of Christ in a physical body. And as a result... He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without one single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Stand up with me this morning. Here's what I want you to understand this morning about yourselves. You are overcomers. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that you, the, the supreme ruler of all the universe, the one that was there when things were created, the one that sees things happening right now, the one that sees you and knows you and lives in you, has the power to overcome the temptations that you face. 
that the, re- the revelation of your inner character can be scary sometimes, but let it be revealed because everything is revealed before Christ Jesus. Because the Word of God is the truth, that it cuts between bone and marrow, that it reveals everything in the light. And that light can be intimidating at some times, but I'm telling you what, we want to be exposed before the Lord because I want to live a life that's genuine and real before people so that they can see Christ Jesus who lives in me. And that's what you are. You are not a superhero. You are submitted to Christ. And in that, let God do what only God can do. Yes, do you have power to overcome things? You do not, but the Holy Spirit that lives in you does. Can we be these people that are led by, filled by, fully reliant on the, on the Holy Spirit? We are not superheroes. We should just be people that are found fully leaning into the kingdom of God. If we want to see a difference made in this community, if we want to look out and we want to see people that are once far from God and we can relate, right? Just like Jesus can relate to us, we can relate to people that were far from God. We have a high priest that came down. He lived a, a life that it was in the body, uh, in the human form, and he experienced all of what we experienced, but yet he has made a way for us to boldly come to the throne. We want people to experience the same thing. We can, we can experience that. We can say, man, we were once in the darkness, but now we're in the light. Do I still struggle with stuff? Yes. Will I still be tempted? Yes, I will be. But how will I respond to the temptation? I will respond by the power of God that lives in me. I will not rely on myself. I'll be led by the Spirit. That's the difference maker. If we want to see, you know, guys, if we want to have a good church service every Sunday, that's cool. But if we're not out and we're not getting, you know, not in people's faces like, you better believe this. How about get in people's faces by being like nice to them? How about getting in people's faces about caring for them? How about we see somebody that's thirsty and we give them a cold cup of water? It's easy to get amped up and say, man, I just want, I want God to move. I want God to move. But what are we doing? What are we not doing? Jesus was tempted, and his response to those temptations was the, the, the kind of Messiah that he was going to be. He knew who he was in Christ. He knew who he was, that he was, he was God's son. He knew he didn't need to test God. He just needed to be led by the Spirit. He could have done anything he wanted to, but he chose to submit his life to the Father. And what I'm asking myself and I'm asking you today is are we submitting our entire lives to Jesus? When we face temptations, are we responding in a way that is Christ-like? Pray with me this morning. Father, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to come. Even as we go home uh, today, and we, some of us maybe even grudgingly open up our Bibles and say, okay, what do you want to do? As we read 
Hebrews as we read uh, Deuteronomy 8 and Deuteronomy 6 and and as just not as like these religious assignments, but as these things where we say, God, I do want to be more like you. I want to respond in the way that you respond. I, when I'm tempted, I don't want to sin. Not so that I can get a sticker that says tempted without sin, but so that I can get, uh, so that I can see people around me come to know you because the difference that you're making in my life. That's what we want to see. We want to be led by, filled by, and fully reliant on your Holy Spirit. As we leave these four walls today, church is just getting started. As we leave these four walls today, church is just getting started. Help that to be our mindset this week. I don't need to be in a building to be the church. I love to worship with my brothers and sisters, but I am the church. I praise you, God, that we are good enough because you have made a way. And any lie that would, that would question our sonship or our, our being a daughter of, of you would be answered with, you are a liar, devil, that I am filled with the Holy Spirit, that I am called to be a royal priesthood, that I am called to be the church and the light to the people around me as Christ fills me, may my life impact others around me. You are good, Jesus. I want to take a moment. I want to just, it's something that's been on my heart this morning, and then um, is this.